welcome back to the Simply Marie podcast. I'm Kaylee. I'm Alexis. And we have a guest today. <laughs> Our first guest ever. Mama Rams. Hello. Are you excited? <laughs> I think I am. We don't know what to expect. <laughs> have you listened to any of our... I have not no. yet. Fake fan. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Fake fan. I'm just not sure I was, I've been given the... Oh, the info. The Alexis doesn't tell anyone anytime we're out. Even last weekend, we were out at Hacienda, and someone that we knew from high school came up and was like, how's the podcast going? And I was like, great, subscribe, listen. And Alexis was like, no, don't listen. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean, don't listen? I'm just like, um, can we get famous without anyone knowing? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that doesn't work. No, it work. really kind of is opposite. Yeah, exactly. We need people from other states to hop on and listen. <laughs> it's week four. Yep. I thought this was going to be our last boogie season. Like, I thought, like, the fourth week would be the last week, but. Nope, there's five. Like, October's going by fast, but it feels so long. Well, yeah, there's 31 days. Well, it's only the 18th day, and it feels like, all right, like, I'm, I feel, it feels like Halloween's already passed, and, like, I'm ready for Thanksgiving. Nope. We ain't there yet. I know. Halloween hasn't even started. I'm, like, excited, but I'm not excited. Halloween is just so much work. <laughs> the work is over. You already have everything you need. No, I haven't even wore the costume. I got the costume. Oh, my God. Okay. And that's, like, the exciting part, but, like, the actual, like, you have to wear it out. That's the exciting part, is no. wearing it out. <laughs> no. How does that make any sense? It's going to be cold. Okay, yeah. Well, you chose what you were going to ha- wear, what you were going to be. I'm not showing up looking like a nun compared to the rest of y'all. It's like, come on now. <laughs> Shade. <laughs> it's true, though. You could have won best costume just because you would stand out. Um, I feel like the judges are not going to be choosing the girls that are the most covered up. Yeah, I guess that's true. Just going to put that out there. My mom won best Halloween costume a couple times. I did? With dad? Um, Didn't you guys? At least once? I swear you guys did. I don't know that we won best. Really? I don't think so. I I swore one year you guys won. You talking about our 50s? Maybe. Wait, your 50s what? Like... We wore the decade. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, like I was a a dance girl oh. with a lot of fringy stuff. <laughs> what else, you guys? This? She used to go to the Wickhams, so just yeah. like family friend, right? Friends of ours oh. used to have a Halloween party. Um, Stacy is huge fan of Halloween, so we would go. And she's been a bartender for like how many years? So I oh, feel like it many, was a many good. Moons. I feel like it would have been a good party. It was always mm-hmm. a good party. Always a good party. Really decked out her home, drinks, food, all Halloween related. That's, I want to go to a party like yeah. that. I don't exactly. want to go to like, like a live one. I'm ready to be an adult and have yeah. an adult parties. Yeah, it was an adult party yet with all the kid fun. Like what kind not of kid? What other other costumes? Yeah. I know Young you guys fun. went as Corella Deville and. A Dalmatian one year. What? So I did the really? Corella Deville for work one year. Oh, work. Okay. Yeah. So but we had what, a contest at work. Remember, I wore the dog costume like every day. Who wore yeah. that? So that was I was the dog. I was the Dalmatian, oh. and your dad was Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. No, Tigger. I'm sorry. He was Tigger. Oh. 
is Tigger. Yeah. Wait, that, you wore that dog costume? Yeah, that was mine. <laughs> <laughs> it just became an every weekend thing. I know, just put it on. Yeah. every weekend. Yeah. I have a so. picture of Alexis in the dog co- costume as, like, a Christmas card right next to the tree. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. That was the night that you were doing the back handsprings and, and it woke you up. <laughs> you got so mad. Because the table was, like... The table shakes in the living room because it's, like, since yes. it's upstairs, everything in the living room, like... If you jump, do a mm-hmm. jumping jack out there, everyone knows. Because, mm-hmm. like, downstairs it's solid ground, whereas upstairs it's, you yeah. have a basement under you. So it's, mm-hmm. like, hollow almost. It's that an open room downstairs yeah. underneath it, yes. So it makes it, like, it amplifies any yes. noise. It was so loud. And I was doing toe touch. But then the dog costume was a little small on me, like, lengthwise. Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't lift up my hands without, like, because it was a onesie. So mm-hmm. I couldn't lift up my hands without it, like, really being tight. Like, I could barely lift up my hands. And so going for a back handspring... You're literally stretching out. I was was constricted and not fully able to perform the task. And And you fell on your head. No? My... Uh, I think so. I, like, I couldn't fully (laughs) straighten my arms. And then your knees hit the ground. And so my arms were bent. And so as soon as my hand... Like, if anyone knows anything about back handsprings, when you do one and your arms are bent there's not much strength there. They need to be straightened to Mm -hmm. hold your body weight. So since they were bent, I could not support my weight and my head rammed into the ground and then my knees rammed into the ground and... Mama Rem was not happy. No. Alexis Marie! (laughs) Apparently I woke up. Yeah. (laughs) A long time ago. That was when, like... I say, I don't remember it. I had braces, so yeah, probably like freshman year. But it sounds like something I would say, Alexis Marie. Yeah. (laughs) Hence the Simply Marie podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Um, I can go first, and then you can go, and then you can go. Okay. Save the best Save for the last. Best for last. Oh yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> well, I figured you'd want to like hear us. Yes, share. absolutely. Okay. So I'm going to be talking about the Watts family murders. So it's a very if you haven't watched American Murder and you want to, then don't listen to this part. Skip to Kaylee's part because it was just made into a documentary, I believe, in September um, and released on Netflix. But I found it super interesting, so it is going to be the one I talk about. I'm going to kind of go in the order of the documentary because I really liked how they presented it to make it more of like a compelling story and like mystery almost. So basically... This lady named um, Shanann was not an influencer. Like, she didn't have, like, a big following or anything like that, but she posted like she did. Okay. So she was always, like, but it was, like, on Facebook. She was, she was always posting videos of, like, talking, like, oh, I love this, or, like, kind of just like you would see a teenage Instagram or uh, influencer doing, but she was doing that more as, like, a mommy blogger, kind of, but just on Facebook for her friends. And she went on a work trip and her best friend dropped her off at like 2 a.m. Because they like flew and then her friend drove her home, whatever. And she got home at like 2 a.m. And then she, her friend was like starting to freak out because there was no activity on Facebook. There was no texts, which is like very unlike her. Like she was always posting pictures, videos, whatever. And... She was, like, radio silent, and even though it had only been, like, a couple hours, she was still, like, okay, that's, like, weird, mm-hmm. and she had texted her because she, Shanann was pregnant. Her friend knew that she had a, yeah, doctor's appointment that morning, so she was texting her to, like, see how it went, and she wasn't getting a response, and I'm pretty sure she waited, like, 
at least the full day, I believe. And then she called the cops and they did like a wellness check. But the cops like didn't have like a warrant or anything, so they couldn't go into the house. They could only go mm-hmm. in the house if they had the husband's permission, like the homeowner's permission. So they called Chris, which is the husband, and he came rushing home and was like freaking out and stuff, didn't know, like said he like had no idea where they were. What I thought was kind of weird is like she had a doctor's appointment. But then he said the last thing that he knew is she was taking the kids and her, like, on a date, like, to a friend's house. And so I was like, but she had a doctor's appointment. Why was she taking the kids to Like, I don't know. They yeah. never discussed that. That's just something, like, maybe there was just, like, not, like, a gap of information. And yeah. I don't know. But, and, like, one of the weird things was, so the cop, like, was searching the house and stuff. And her wedding ring was left. Her purse. Her phone. Hmm. her phone was off but it was in the house her purse was like prescriptions like all of that so like obviously she didn't leave like take the kids and leave all that stuff was left but the kids blankets were gone so like that's why the cops were like what is going on because like if she just took the kids like yeah she would take the blankies but she would but her keys were gone so it was like really weird okay so they were just like very confused about what was left behind And the neighbor had, like, one of those security cams. I doubt it was a ring because I don't think that was around then. But it was the same concept. Once motion was detected, it would start recording. And so they went over to the neighbor's house to watch the video. And you could see Chris getting into his truck and pulling out for work. And they were all like, all right, like, that's pretty normal. So Chris went back to his house and the police stayed and talked to the neighbor. And... The neighbor was like, he's never like that. He never, like, talks this much. Which, granted, he thinks his wife is missing. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. he probably would be talking a little bit more. But he was like, he never parks there before going to work. Like, he never, like, pulls out of that spot. The neighbor was a little, like, suspicious. But the cop was like, oh, just, like, give him credit. He's going through a lot. Whatever. So they turn her phone on and she was, like, getting all these texts from, like, all her friends and from Chris. Like, where are you? Be home when I'm there. Like, please. Like, where are you? da 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 And then he makes a appearance on a local news station saying, like, I really need you guys to come home if someone has them. Like, please bring them back safely. Like, I just want to see them again. It doesn't yeah. feel right. You not being here and all that stuff. And... Then that's when it takes a turn. I feel like with any of a missing person's case, even if like, even if you are loved ones, partners, whatever, you're still going to be investigated just mm-hmm. to like rule you out for sure. So he was getting the investigation and he agreed to a polygraph test, which kind of like surprised them because he was like, no person, no guilty person would, mm-hmm. would be like, oh yeah, like put me on a lie detector test. Like, no, you'd probably be like, no, I didn't do this. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, mm-hmm. Why are you accusing me? But no, he was so just like, yeah, okay, go ahead. Well, he like miserably failed. Like he got a negative 18. Completely missed the mark. Lying off the charts. And Why did he think that he was going to be able to get through it? Yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. And But one of the points that an investigator made was like, you want to tell us what happened. Mm -hmm. You didn't take this test thinking that you could get away with it like you want to tell but you know you're in the wrong you need someone to urge you on to make you tell what happened Mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of what got him to be like like to tell so he didn't actually admit it first to the investigators he begged for his dad and so his dad came in 
and Chris just lost it. He started crying and said a story of what happened. He said that Shanann, that him and Shanann had gotten an argument about the marriage and like that it wasn't going well and like bringing up like separation, like stuff like that had got brought, brought up that morning. He said that she strangled the kids because she was so mad at him. He was so mad that she did that, that he strangled her. I don't think, I mean, I I don't think a mom would be so mad at her husband that she would kill her children. I mean, maybe, but like with how she posts about them and she had just spent months in South Carolina with them, with just them, like he didn't go. So it was just like, I think she likes her kids a little too much to yeah it just like it didn't it didn't add up like that story was so not right Mm -hmm. but I feel like he thought it would be okay to say because there was there all three of them were dead regardless so there was no way to like prove it but like it's just so unrealistic they saw right through it yeah then it comes out a little while later of what actually happened they had filed for bankruptcy in 2000 and 15 because joint they made like ninety thousand dollars but they had just moved and like had they were in huge debt and like all this stuff so they were just like not financially well mm-hmm. in 2018 Shanann tells him that she's expecting and that they're gonna have their third child and her their first two kids were born in 2013 and 2015 so then it would have been third one in 2018. She ended up going to visit her family in, I think, one of the Carolinas. North right? Carolina. Okay. Um, for, like, five weeks or something. Six. I just watched this today. I'm just, like, so surprised you <laughs> you were talking about this oh, one today. Okay, goodness. I was going to say, gosh, Mom, you're making me look like shit over here. No, I just, <laughs> okay. I just watched it. Okay. But they were only gone for five, and he joined them for that uh, okay, six. Okay, yeah, week. that's yeah, what I'm you're saying. Right, okay, you're right. Okay, so... They, they were gone for five weeks. At this time, Chris had started talking to a girl named Nicole who worked at, not worked at, but worked like with his company. And they started going on dates, seeing each other outside of the home in July. I don't know, just like always had her over while they were gone. And then he went, or he told her that they were, like separating Mm -hmm. and then when they left to go to to North Carolina he told her that they were like the divorce was almost settled so that's why she was able to like come over all the time and because and that's why the family wasn't there at his house and all that even though they're just on a vacation yeah he went and stayed with like went to North Carolina and saw them had huge family drama he didn't even, like, kiss her after being away for five months. Mm-hmm. Or five, five weeks, weeks, sorry. And, she, like, they have the phone records of her texting her friends being, like, something's weird. I think he's cheating. Something's off. The relationship isn't good. As and she's then, expecting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, perfect. 15 weeks. Yeah. They finally, like, I guess had a good talk because then the last text before he came home was like, oh, we finally had, like, a really good talk and we're good and everything's okay. They come home. She, I think, did, could she track him? Do you remember from the movie? So somehow she found out. Because um, so he said when, he was going to a baseball game with a coworker right. when in reality he was going to the bar with 
his mistress. Okay. So she had logged into their credit card activity. Oh, credit card. Okay. And saw the bar. Yeah. And it didn't add up a $63 bill yeah, for, for a hamburger and a couple of drinks. For one person. Because yeah. I saw she started looking more. Yeah. And found and, more discrepancies. Of, right. Wow. One night, or one morning, he woke her up as he was, like, getting ready to go for work. And started talking, like, admitted to his affair. Mm-hmm. And started talking about how he didn't want to be in the relationship and end the marriage and all this stuff. I guess she's said something about you're never going to see your kids again and that set him over the edge and he strangled her and one of the daughters came in and said what happened to mommy and he said mommy's sick we need to go get her help wrapped her body in the white sheet put her in the truck grabbed the kids blankies and put them in the car so the mom was laying across the floor of the back seat while his children were sitting in the back seat. Ew. He drove out to his work site because he very drove, desolate yeah, area where there's big oil tanks, and he smothers one of his children, one of the kids, puts it in like an eight foot oil tank, puts her in an eight foot oil tank, comes back for the second one. This one's four years old. I think Bella is the older one because I think Celeste is the younger one. So we did Celeste first, and then Bella. And she, like, fights back. Mm -hmm. She was like, no, like, are you going to do to me what you did to Sissy? Daddy, no. Daddy, no. And he said that that, like, rings in his head. The daddy, no. Daddy, no. But he continued to smother her, put her in the oil tank, then buried the mother and came home and acted like, like, acted all surprised that, oh, my gosh, they're missing? Mm -hmm. Freaking out, asking to get them back, all this stuff. He admits to it. He has to go out to this, like, tell them, like, on a map exactly where he buried them they had to empty the oil tank to get the bodies out. Because it's easy to put something in, but it's not as easy to get something yeah. out. Yeah. He didn't end up having... Because he was up against a the death penalty, but because he admitted to it, he got life in prison. Mm-hmm. The judge said the murder spree was perhaps the most inhumane and vicious crime I've handled out of the thousands of cases that I have seen. Which, I mean, it's true. Like, he literally killed... His four-year-old, his two-year-old, and his wife. Mm-hmm. That was so. It. so wouldn't that be four murders then? So because she was pregnant, yeah. It I was. know what they got him on for the baby, the murder of the baby, because I remember hearing about the three. Mm-hmm. But they talked. They, they actually three counts of first-degree murder plus two additional first degrees for victims being twelve or younger, and then he faces another count for the unlawful termination of a pregnancy, plus three counts of tampering with a body. So, a total of nine charges. What tampering with the body was, like, him taking it and burying yeah, it? Yeah, burying okay. it, like, getting rid of the bodies. So, and he actually, like, wrote a book. What? Yeah. And it was just, like, all about, it was basically, like, him admitting it. I found it somewhere, but, yeah, it was all of his letters saying what he did was wrong, his PTSD, not PTSD, how it keeps in his Haunting. head, and, mm-hmm. yeah. And just... I mean, he kind of did that to himself. Oh, so. for sure. And so then what, thought he could get away with it to be with his little mistress. And yeah. she's like... I heard that she's requesting to change her name. Because she doesn't even want to be associated with her former identity. Of, yeah. Because, like, she had no idea. Yeah. She just he thought he was a normal guy that was, and like, she, in a marriage. And he was lying to her, saying that the marriage was yeah. over. And then he... Uh, she was then, curious. Yeah. I can't even so, imagine. You're the man you're tr- 
dating and then kills his wife and two kids. Like To what? be with you. Like, what? Because he lost a bunch of weight. That's why they were, like, really suspicious of him because, they're like, why are you... Like, usually you only lose weight in a marriage when you're seeing someone else. They said, like, that's a common trend. Really? For men. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. But it took two years. That was a thing. I'm like, wow. Took two years for, for him to get as trim as he did, to lose all the weight oh, and yeah. uh, hmm. uh, become as fit as he was. But the one thing that I thought was um, interesting is how the detective gave him that story about did Shannon hurt the kids and you had to hurt Shannon. And then he like picked up on it. I, so I was curious if that was really what he had thought of and had planned yeah, of. Or, or if it was that like, spur of the moment. Hey, you put that idea in my mind. That must be believable. Out. Yeah. If you're thinking of that, then maybe I can get, away, get with away with this. Why would he say that? Why would he like suggest that without like, well, she had first, um, the detective had oh. after he had failed the lie detector test trying to coach him to, to give, give up the truth. Oh. And, um, once, once he heard it, that's when he started asking for the father. So he was like, uh, oh, I, I just felt like that yeah. was his, mm-hmm. aha I found my way out. like, yeah. I'm going to get away with this because they thought of it. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, this is bad, probably bad to say, but if he would have been just a little bit smarter and had gotten rid of like her, phone. her phone, medication, purse. Yeah. It could have looked like I she think that's why it was more, um, like, not planned. Because even the videos that they had of him, because she had gone for this business trip. Mm-hmm. So he had Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with the kids alone. And there was so much happiness. I mean, yeah. They, he was... So I just don't know that it was planned. Okay, or if they the really did the have book, an argument. Did they he did, say it? They did have an argument. I know that for a fact because he did admit to that. Mm-hmm. And in his book, he did talk about the premeditation of it. Yikes. How, so he was planning it? Yeah. That's how sickening. he, like, didn't want it to happen, but, like, not that he didn't want it to happen, but he was, like, thinking about it and he was thinking about how he was going to get out of this marriage and stuff. Like, but that's the thing. Like, how he wanted to get out of the marriage, and if he was so threatened by her saying, you're never going to see your kids again, like, why is that the route he took? And yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he was really stupid because... They showed him um, a video, you know, a satellite video of the property mm-hmm. for him to point where he put them. Yeah. And there, the sheet was there. He left the he sheet left the behind. Sheet. Yeah. He didn't bury her in the sheet. <laughs> That's what like, I was like. Okay, you are one of the most stupidest murderers. Murderers. Yeah. <laughs> probably in history. Like, because he, I'm like, I hate to say this, but he could have gotten away with it. Like, yeah. I mean, there still People probably would have been suspicion, mm-hmm. and there probably who knows it could have still come back to him. Yeah, but maybe they would have found the bodies eventually. Yeah, but yeah. I just felt like it could have been. There was nothing tying him at that point especially, to the crime. Yeah, especially yeah. since there were no. If bodies. he would have gotten rid of the things and then admitted to the fight and said that she Left. took off mm-hmm. while he was at work. Yeah. Wow. I mean, they probably would have found two dead bodies in an oil tank eventually. Yeah, but yeah. It was sickening, though. He was... Yeah. The, the, well, what gets me is nice just the daddy family. no, daddy no. Yeah. yeah. And then the documentary, like, if you have not seen it, please watch it, because it's all the live footage from the body cam of the police. Yeah, they oh made God. it nothing. I yeah, mean, it was It was all... her actual Facebook videos. It was actual pictures of their text messages it was the live prison footage of his confession, like... What is it called? 
American an American murder. murder. And that's on Netflix? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Is it like just one of the episodes? Or yeah, or it's, it's an hour. Just a documentary. Just over oh, hour. Just a documentary. It's an American murder or a neighborhood. Yeah, I just watched it this morning. It's just funny. That that's American were... murder, the family next door. Okay. I should so, watch that. It was so good. Wow. That's In insane. a sickening, awful way. Yeah. <laughs> sickening, awful way. That's insane. Okay. Well, I did mine on the Night Stalker. I don't know. You were, it was in the 1980s. It was in California. Okay. He was um, a serial killer. His name was Richard Ramirez, but they referred to him as the Night Stalker. Mm-hmm. So, um, I have like a little bit of background on his childhood because that kind of, it's kind of what screwed him up. He was born and raised in El Paso, Texas. Richard Ramirez was often subjected to abuse by his father. He even sustained two serious head injuries after which he experienced frequent epileptic, epileptic, is that what it is? Seizures. Do you know what that means? He has epilepsy, so he had seizures. Oh, that just means that he has seizures? Yep. Okay. Um... To escape his violent father, Ramirez began to hang out with his older cousin, Miguel, a Vietnam veteran. Unfortunately, Miguel's influence wasn't much better than his father's had been. During the v- his time in Vietnam, Miguel had developed a habit of torturing women. Miguel often showed Ramirez photos of the horrors he had inflicted on the women, including one where he had posed with a woman with one of the women's severed heads. Later, Miguel would fatally shoot his own wife in full view of the 13-year-old Ramirez. So when he was hanging out with him, he was pretty young. Like, he was 13 or or younger when he started hanging out with him. And then it says, who would take this event deeply to heart. The shooting turned Richard Ramirez from a scared, abused young boy into a hardened, sullen man, which means bad-tempered or gloomy, because I didn't know what that meant, so I Googled it. (laughs) Um, he began using LSD and cultivating his interest in Satanism, Satanism, Mm -hmm. which is practiced throughout his life. So he just basically worshiped Satan Mm. from a young age, which obviously isn't good. It was a good time. Yeah. Which, I mean, when I watched My Favorite Murder, they would always say, like, usually serial killers, they would have, like, a brain injury when they were younger, and then that would, Mm -hmm. like, affect the way they thought about things, so... Not to make excuses for him, but that's probably yeah. why he turned into a bad person. Mm-hmm. Still under his murderous older cousin's influence, Miguel had been found not guilty for a shooting for the shooting of his wife and spent four years in an insane asylum after being released. Ramirez developed an obsession with the same kinds of sexual violence Miguel had inflicted on the Vietnamese women. So I think his wife was Vietnamese. They didn't say, like who she was specifically, but I'm assuming, or, like, when he was in Vietnam, the woman that he pictured, yeah, or took a picture uh-huh. of her severed head with was Vietnamese. Richard Ramirez's sexual abuse escalated soon after. On June 28, 1984, he found it in a form of a 79-year-old woman named Jenny Vincow. Authorities found the woman's body in her bed, brutally raped her throat was slashed so deeply that she was almost decapitated, Ugh. which, can you imagine, like, the force sad. you'd mm-hmm. have to use? Mm-hmm. It just, it's honestly sickening. Her apartment showed signs of forced entry, entry, and items were found to be missing as well. So I'm assuming he, like, took trophies. We kind of talked about that yeah. last week. On March 17th, 1985, Ramirez's murder spree began to earnest with an assault of Maria Hernandez in her home. She managed to escape... But her roommate, Dale, 
I don't know how to say his name, mm-hmm. Okarzaki, I don't know, was not so lucky and he became Ramirez's second known murder victim. Later that night, Richard Ramirez's bloodlust still wasn't sa- satiated or satisfied, basically. Like, okay, so yeah. he continued, obviously. Yeah. Um, he didn't have enough. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> the one killing wasn't enough for him. And he would shoot and kill Tazi Lian Yu, that's her name, um, he would continue to stalk and murder his victims for close to 14 months and strike terror in the heart of the Californians throughout the state. Ten days later, Richard Ramirez established the pattern that would become to define his murders when when attacked Vincent Zazara, 64, and his wife, 44-year-old Maxine Zazara. He began by shooting and killing Vincent, then he assaulted Max- Maxine before killing her with a knife. If that wasn't ghostly enough, Richard Ramirez also gouged her eyes out. So I think, like, that's what they were saying. Like, that was, like, what he did. He would gouge people's eyes out, and that's how they would know that it was him. Yeah. That was his signature. Yep. And then it says, From Los Angeles to San Francisco, people went to bed, fearing that the Night Stalker, as the press called him, would break into their homes while they slept, hellbent on performing a satanic ritual of rape, torture, and murder. The victims were both male and female, ranging from ages 22 to 80. So, he didn't care who he was killing. He was killing everybody. From all over the Southern California, the one thing all of the crime scenes had in common was the evidence of satanic ritual and ritual of some kind had occurred. As word of the Night Stalker started to spread, it seemed that no one was safe. Eventually, by August 15th of 1985, the public anxiety caused a surge in gun sales, lock installations, and window bars. <laughs> imagine having to put bars on your windows to feel safe. I can't even Mm-mm. imagine. Police increased their presence on the streets tenfold, and the FBI created a special task force dedicated to hunt the down the killer. Soon, a, win- a witness was able to provide p- police with a license plate number for a vehicle believed to belong to Ramirez. Tracking down the vehicle, they were able to find a partial fingerprint in the vehicle that would that could run through the Los Angeles Police Department new fingerprint database. Through sheer luck, the LAPD was able to identify Richard Ramirez via his fingerprint via the fingerprint database. The records on file were for anyone ever fingerprinted who was born after January 1960 and Richard Ramirez had been born February 1960, so it was only a month, so it's wow. kind of crazy. Sheer luck, like it said. Um, soon one of Ramirez's victims who survived was able to give a detailed enough description um, that a sketch artist could provide the newspaper with a picture of. The Night Stalker's image was published in every newspaper in, the Southern, in Southern California in the hopes that someone would notice it and recognize him. Returning to Los Angeles, he was soon identified in the street, fled the police, and famously came within moments of being beaten to death by mob who recognized him and seized him as police closed in. After his arrest, in the most expensive trial the state of California has ever seen, Richard Ramirez was convicted of all charges against him, including 13 counts of murder, 5 attempted murders, 11 sexual assaults, and 14 burglaries. So he was just having a heyday out there in Southern California. I mean, he must have been smart if he 
literally didn't get caught until after well, that many had been... Well, the thing is, is I feel like most silly serial killers have, like, a specific target, whereas it said he was killing from just, 22 just anyone, to 80. Yeah. All races, all, like, j- didn't care. If, yeah, if it was male or female. Um, after the verdict was read in court, he yelled at the jury that he had that had just convicted him, I am beyond good and evil, I will be avenged, Lucifer dwells in all of us. That's oh, it. Oh, wow. So he really... Really was a Satan worshiper. Yeah. He was a messed up dude. Yeah. He was sentenced to death by gas chamber and was incarcerated in San Quentin prison housed on death row to await his execution due to the enormity of his case, including 50,000 pages of trial records. It would take many years before the appellate court could hear to, could hear his appeal, which didn't happen until 2006. During the extended delay, Richard Ramirez m- met a female admirer. Don't know who would re- admire him, but cl- clearly someone did. Um, who had stuck, who had struck up a coordinates with Ramirez, and in 1996 he married her. He she said he's kind, he's funny. He's charming, Ramirez's new wife said. She told CNN, I think he's a really great person. He's my best friend. He's my buddy. Okay. Another messed up person. Yep. Um, during his first round of appeals in 2006, the appellate court upheld the original ruling and sentence. However, Richard Ramirez submitting more requests and more appeals, delaying his execution for the next seven years. Which, I, when you're on trial... Can you, you can make appeals yourself? Uh, usually you have to have the help of a lawyer. Okay. But you but yeah. can. Um, on, on your behalf. You okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, but it'll you say can... that they did, but it's like. Okay. Right? Yeah. You, it's you, like your team, but yeah. it's on your behalf. Like it would, like in court case, it would say Richard Ramirez. Versus. The yeah. Oh, oh, Like it okay. wouldn't be like this lawyer. Like it would uh-huh. just right. be his name. Okay. Um, having received a diagnosis of B-cell lymphoma, there was a race of sorts to see who would kill Richard Ramirez first, the state of California or cancer. It would oh, be wow. cancer in the end that killed Richard Ramirez. He died in prison in 2013 at the age of 53 after spending 23 years on death row. Not once during his, those 23 years did he admit wrongdoing or express remorse. In fact, upon hearing his sentence that night, the night stalker smiled perfect um he said hey big deal he told the judge who had sentenced him to die death always comes with the territory i'll see you in disneyland oh my god i don't know what that means but just messed up yeah that just tells you how messed up yeah well um i i watched a documentary on this is he saying hell is disneyland i don't know because that man knows he's going to hell if he's a maybe maybe that's what he's saying because Maybe he's saying, like, he's going to go to hell, too, at some Yeah, because he's a Satan worshiper, so he clearly yeah. has no desire to go to heaven. Yeah, yeah. Well, I... So, I actually heard this on My Favorite Murder. That's, like, how I found out about it. And then I watched, like, a YouTube video on it. And apparently, like, when he was caught, like, he... I guess he was, like, a good-looking guy back in the day. Like, he had fans. Like, uh-huh. the girls, like, was like, oh, yeah, he's so cute. And I'm like... Can you find any pictures of him? I can show you. I don't think kind of sounds like a Ted Bundy-ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's fame in... Regardless of how, yeah, what you're famous for, killing yeah. people, you still have the spotlight, and some women but even are attracted to, this, to that. Yeah, even to this day, people I feel like are still attracted to Ted Bundy. Oh yeah, there's this. Like, and like his like, charisma. His, exactly. What is on his good hand? Is pers- that 
What oh, is, he's not attractive. What is the story? That is the Satan. That is the satanic. Wow. Um, star with the circle around it. Yeah. Satan worshiper. But what was super cool is that, like, I found interesting is, so it didn't say it in this article, but he was, I think he was, like, at a gas station or something, and his picture was all over the newspapers, and a girl was like, that's the guy on the newspaper. And there are cops out in the parking lot, so she went and told them. Oh. And then he kind of figured out what was going on, so then he started sprinting down the street. Uh-huh. And since everybody knew what he looked like yeah. because everyone was terrified and, like, saw his picture, they were like, oh, that's him. So, like, they said, like, a mob of people, they all started chasing him down the street. Like, everyone wow. that saw him, and then they're, like, people running, and then everyone's like, oh, my God, that's him. Like, we want to kill him. So then they, like got him and then the police came in and took him but just imagine like a mob of people yeah just like wanting you to die like that's insane but like i guess it's crazy that we want to kill someone that kills people yeah i mean yeah that doesn't really make much sense but i mean like i get it but like at the same time when you really break it down it's like yeah but they were so like they said an eye for an eye yeah Yeah, like literally (laughs) goes back to the bible (laughs) makes the whole world go blind (laughs) if you're like you forget the most important part of that sentence (laughs) that's so funny yeah i don't know i just think i mean at the point where like everyone's scared i feel like (sighs) no i mean i totally get why they wanted him to end but i don't know i'm glad they got him when they did though because clearly he did not but care. But so much money mm-hmm. spent on trying a person for crimes. I, I don't know. I I agree with the justice system. Mm-hmm. Do your appeals, but oh my god. The most expensive case of gone. California, yeah. yeah. He just needed to be done. Yeah. But. I just can't believe, when I heard it the first time, I thought it was like way back, but he was still alive in 2013. Like. Oh wow. Yeah, that's when he died of cancer. So... When did they catch him? Did you say a year? I'm sorry. 1985, I believe. It's when they caught him? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. That's so scary. Because it was, it was going on for, like, roughly 14 months, so. So he was only, like, 20? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was only 58 when he died. Because if you said he 53. was born in 60, was caught in 85, he would have been 25. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's so weird, though, because I mean, I guess that's then... what happens when your cousin's only, like, you're under his influence like oh well, he literally when he you was 13 years him. old he showed him a picture of him with a girl of the head with a with a yes. woman's head like that that's just and luckily there was a newspaper because think about today right oh my gosh social every media social media they would have had his picture i mean so some of the positives that come out because yeah. of technology yeah but well, it came down to a finger partial fingerprint mm-hmm. from yep. a database they started in 1960 of fingerprints yeah and now dna yeah I mean, yeah come there's a long like, way yeah come if you do something way. there's you're basically you're gonna not get getting caught. you're not gonna get away with it no i mean you might for a little while but eventually I know. You're even in caught. church today we were talking about the truth and i was telling the kids i was like the truth always comes out yeah like so you does. can lie mm-hmm. you can do bad stuff but it it's not gonna last yeah the truth is gonna either your conscience is gonna eat you away or like eventually i'll evidence is going to lead to you exactly Mm -hmm. wow that's scary i can't imagine the terror of that town Mm -hmm. well how old were you when it was 1980 1885 when he got caught so 1984 you'd have been 23 24 do you do you ever hear about this or no so that's what I was trying to remember so night stalker sounds familiar but Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's because of more recent um you know me and my love for criminal shows and everything if 
that's how I know about it or if I didn't know had heard about something. Yeah. I feel like since it was just newspaperish. Oh, okay, yeah. I probably didn't. Yeah, I guess that's true. I didn't watch a lot of news when I was young. So in 85, let's see, I was born in 69. So I think I would have been in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. So, but I still don't think I was watching news at that yeah. point. And you got, I, this is probably a dumb question, but did you, you guys have, you had like cell phones at that point, right? Like you would have like a flip phone or no? Um, it was right before that. Okay. Yeah. So the first person I knew with a cell phone, it was so amazing, was Kevin, your dad. What? <laughs> I was like, ooh, and he was afraid to show it a lot because his parents didn't know he had it and it was a real you know, big deal to have a cell phone. So, and it was the flip big thing, but now it's a big deal to you. You're like, you don't have a cell phone. Yeah. Like, yeah. So um, that I was think... the epitome of lying to his parents. Ooh. He hit a cell phone, hit a motorcycle. He had yeah. a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. That's so exactly. Funny. But just to your point, the truth always comes yeah, out. It's going to come out eventually. You dumb nut. His mother's friend saw him on his motorcycle and on his cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, so that is scary. So I don't think I knew about it back then. And thankfully, we didn't have social media um, to broadcast a lot of those things. I think I would have been really frightened mm-hmm. yeah. that somebody could just Go around walk that. around and yeah. cut my head off almost. Literally. Ooh. I can't even. It's scary stuff. Now Mama Rams is going to give her shot at telling us a story. Okay. Well, I'll tell a story that just was um, aired on 48 Hours this past summer. Kind of came up again. Oh, but really? Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it happened back in 1976 on July 15th. And this one, too, um, I was only seven years old. But for some reason, I sort of, I feel like I remember it, but I probably saw another documentary yeah. um, in my past about it. But so when I heard about heard it again this summer, it just kind of was well but I feel like I mean if you would have heard it when it was happening when you were a kid I feel like it would have stuck with you a little more because it was about yeah because I would have been about seven ish so and it was the kidnapping of a school bus yeah Yeah. so So I feel like that would have stuck with you being more than my first time riding a bus I feel like perhaps yeah yeah. I did hear about it but it was also in California oh wow so it was a a town called Chochilla which um, very rural town, and this um, school bus, so there was summer school, so kids age 5 to 14 were on the bus, oh. and they were making their way um, after school, dropping kids off. It was about 4 p.m., so very rural, so um, lots of fields mm-hmm. and not a lot of businesses or anything. Kind like roads. small town type Very small town. Um, this school bus got commandeered, got um, abducted, by three masked, you know, with the, with nylons over oh, their face, um, shot, sawed off shotguns, and um, three men uh, took the bus. Basically, the bus driver and twenty six students um, commandeered the bus with one of the men. Um, the the guy with the shotgun sat, you know. Uh, making sure the kids and, and the bus driver didn't do anything. Um, and then the van that had uh, been involved in it followed the bus. So they drove for hours um, and then finally went into a dry riverbank. So, the, so they went to a completely different town? 
it, it was, um, um, they eventually ended up in Livermore, California, which is a hundred miles away, oh but, gosh. um, but they were way out of town right. as well when they ditched the bus. Okay. So they went down and drove into this, um, dry river bank where the, uh, weeds were so high that they, they masked the bus. They kind of mm-hmm. covered it up. So they drove in there and then they had a van waiting God. down there for them, as well as the van that they had followed the bus with. They made the kids actually jump from the bus over to one of the vans so that they wouldn't leave footprints. And, and they know this because of a survivor um, was ended up telling the story. But when the cops finally um, started getting calls around 4.35 o'clock that like my kids children like, weren't coming yeah. home, there were 26 kids that were involved in this. And... So after they they were taken from the bus, jumped over to one of the two vans, brothers and sisters were part, you know, separated. The vans had been um, modified. You know, you think about the scary vans that, uh, you know, abduct children. Um, So no windows. All the windows were blacked out. They were made into like cells, like um, jail cells. So um, wood, sweltering hot, no ventilation. These 27 people were put into two vans and driven 100 miles to Livermore, California. Um, So the call started coming in that, you know, my kids aren't coming home. What's going on? So police start looking around. They eventually find the bus um, and just by chance because it's so well hidden. mm -hmm. So now they know that the kids have actually been taken. Something's really wrong. And the kids are traveling this 100-mile journey 12 hours to Livermore, California, where they were taken from the vans and put into a box truck, which back in um, 1976, (laughs) it was truly like a box, not like a semi today, a little shorter. um, But this this box truck was in a rock quarry in Livermore, California, and it had been buried underground by 12 feet. So these kids and this bus driver were were um, transferred from the vans into this buried semi-truck or mm-hmm. box truck. When they get in this thing, there's two ventilation pipes that have been um, created to bring air from above ground down in to them. Over the wheels, the wheel wells, they had modified the truck to have toilets, basically holes, mm. so that they could... At least do their business the um, to, to go outside of the vehicle. They had put um, uh, mattresses in the vehicle and they had put bread, peanut butter, bottles of uh, big jugs of water so that they would have um, food and substance um, for the time that they were in there. So as the the, the kids and, and the bus driver were sitting there, like they were they were there for quite some time. And mm-hmm. the roof started to cave in of the box truck because of the rocks that were on it. It just wasn't made to support that kind of mm-hmm. weight. So they came, if you think about it, 5 to 14, and this older man, that's the bus driver, finally started realizing they either um, sit there and die, yeah. basically wait to die because their food was running out, water was running out. Um, everybody was scared to death, or they fight to stay alive. Mm-hmm. So two particular, um, it was the the bus driver, Ed, and um, one of the older kids, I think his name was Michael, they decided they were going to try to figure out how to get out. So they 
ended up somehow getting up to the top of the the box truck and and finding a vent hole um, and scampered up and and worked as hard as he could. Mm -hmm. Eventually, they did break free. So after hours and hours in these horrible conditions, they were actually able to get out, get all the kids out, and they started walking as this massive group Mm -hmm. into this rock quarry where they were and towards these people that were working that were oblivious that this Good. thing had been buried over here and people were down below the ground. Oh so they start walking up and of course, you know, we're like met with a lot of like what's going on. Mm-hmm. So they explained Ed and, and this Michael explained what, what had happened to them. So of course they called the police. Well, they're in different towns, right? So now they've got a quarantine or get these, um, this group of folks, they were starving. They were scared to death. Yeah. They took them, I, I want to say to, um, a mental hospital just because of the size of the group yeah. and yeah. needing to have a space. They, they took them there and got them kind of a change of clothes. Um, got us some apples and some juice, tried to, to settle them down, um, while they figured out how to transport them back to their hometown. So they finally got them back to their hometown where their, their parents and loved ones were waiting at the, at the, um, police station and the reunion took place. So everything ended up happening. You know, they, they made it, they Mm -hmm. all survived the ordeal, but as the investigation continued, it ended up being the three men. One was the son of the rock quarry, um, owner. He was mastermind number one, and then he had two brothers. I, I don't remember how they knew each other, but then two brothers were um, involved, and they all were in their early 20s. Um, and like they us. All, yeah, yeah doing it. exactly. Coming up with this plan. They, they all were from prominent families, so they lived in very nice homes, yeah. were very affluent, had, had plenty of um, money, um, in their family, but they had abducted these children in hopes of, they ended up finding the police investigation as they, they got the warrant to go into their homes and stuff, found the plan. And there was so much incriminating evidence against these people. But um, in one of the documents, it had said that they were going to ask for two and a half million, but they were, they were going to, then they upped it to five million. That was the plan. But the thing is, when they went to call the Churchilla police to make their ransom demands, all the parents and everybody were loading up the phones, trying to call the police, asking what was going on, that the ransom call never got made. It never got received. Back in those days, you would get a busy signal. The lines would get overwhelmed. So they never got the ransom call. And this these kids and uh, bus driver ended up breaking free before the ransom could even be asked. So oh talk God. about idiots, right? But um, so they were. I mean, they were smart to put the truck underground. Like that still blows my that, mind. That is amazing and, How and so in the world scary they to, got to think so about it. Twelve feet underground, like that's insane. It is. It is. Um, so so yeah, this. Um, these three people ended up getting convicted of of this act and got life in prison. All three of them. That's Two of them, mm-hmm. the brothers, actually got out in, just a few years ago. Um, so one, I think, got out like in 2012 and the other one maybe in 2018. I might have my years wrong. But, Why? But pretty uh, recently, 
they probably, I would imagine it's one of those, um, you know, our system is just overwhelmed. And And like in reality, they didn't kill anyone. Yeah. They provided for their... Rehabilitated perhaps. They put their, like they provided for their semi-basic needs. I mean, they still like, obviously very much in the wrong, but they didn't like sexually assault any of them, Mm -hmm. didn't kill them, fed them. They, they still kidnapped, like, very yeah, wrong, yeah. you know, by all means, well, very the, wrong, but the, they just... One of the girls that was nine years old at the time, it said, and it was just a few years ago, that she finally can sleep without a nightlight on. That's the trauma yeah, that yeah. they put her um, in her life for I think you said it, years. but how long were they stuck in there? I want to say it was... Um, like just days, I, right? I think it was like twelve hours ish. Oh, wow! You know, so they were reunited with their families the same day that they were stolen. It took a couple days to get them home oh, because, because so they far. were so far away. And again, we're talking nineteen seventy six. So oh, wow. coordinating the the transportation. Like to everybody, get everybody get in this bus. And everybody's <laughs> like, no, I'm never getting in a bus not, again. Not getting in a bus ever again. So, so yeah, oh. very very scary. Um, but yeah, to to think that it was kids your age, mm-hmm. like yeah, dreamt this up. Like, could you like if they had these plans? What when they hung out, they were just like making out this map of what they and were going to do. Came from, like, like wealthy families, why? Wait, why would they? Because they just want more. You just want more. Yeah, it's never enough. That's what's so scary. I yeah. mean, they they had everything. Yeah, from you know what I made of the story and what. So the the son of the dude. The guy that owned the... The rock quarry. Is still in prison? That, that's the one guy that's still in prison. Okay. But he was up for parole, I think, this year. Wow. So, or in a couple years, Wait, perhaps. Wait, so does so. life in prison not actually mean life in prison? So, it's... Usually they do life in prison with the potential for parole mm-hmm. in X number of years. Okay. So, after you serve a sentence of a number of whatever... Or it's um, like a number of years to life, like whatever okay, one... Yeah, like okay. if it's like 20 years to life, it depends which one comes first. But a lot of sentences too um, get reduced because of the overcrowding situation yeah. that we find and ourselves good behavior in. And so, mm-hmm. so yeah, it is... It's like, oh my God, I'm glad my kids are not riding buses anymore because these guys are now out. Yeah, what are they yeah, we talked about this a couple of years ago and I was just like blown away. Or not a couple of years ago, probably a year ago. Yeah, it wasn't well, long ago. Cause story. It was... Have you always been into true crime, or is this like a? Uh, you know, I have. Um, I feel like it was started off more as like nonfiction. Yeah, I've always. Or you had it more because it was like NCIS. Yeah, and like CSI, I've always liked the crime shows, and then when I was traveling crime. back and forth to Arizona, I found this crime show the um, on the radio that I would listen oh. to when I traveled the roads which was really kind of creepy mm-hmm. <laughs> here it is 2 a.m and i'm on the road yeah and like oh please <laughs> don't let that this could be me <laughs> so but it's just i don't know i don't know i think there's the line though yeah i just when it gets too close to home it freaks me out a little bit too much but because i don't know i find true crime pretty interesting but i kind of like more of the like ncis Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. where it's like i could see how that could happen but it's not like it actually happened and they're putting a face to like i think i could do a podcast or a radio show easier because you're not necessarily seeing like the documentary that's why it was so hard for me because it's like they were showing videos of this Mm -hmm. actual girl they were showing pictures of these kids like it was so real whereas Mm -hmm. 
like when you're just listening to it it's not as scary but mm-hmm. i don't know brian and i started dexter watching that oh, show dexter's oh my gosh i just had like a pit in my my stomach is literally like i'm starting to feel nauseous yeah and then when I, I was can't like, watch dexter i was like wa- walking out to my car to come home and i was just like tense yeah like normally it's like okay like just normal like yeah. i'm just walking to the road and gonna drive home but i was so like on edge like what is coming after me mm-hmm. what am i gonna see like it wasn't even like someone coming after me it's like i was like scared i was gonna see something yeah mm-hmm. i've like, never watched dexter but i've heard yeah it's bad yeah i really have an issue so this is this is horror silly now but lucifer okay. right I wouldn't watch it because oh, I thought it, it was like, about the devil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't mess with the devil. Yeah, yeah. It's like, nope. It's I... funny how opposite our reasons for not watching the show are. <laughs> she wouldn't watch it because she thought it was about the devil. I wouldn't watch it because I hate accents. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh I don't okay care with the <laughs> I'll watch the devil, whatever. I want to hear his British accent or whatever accent oh, he has. He's English. British, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's British. Yeah. So I, I won't go there. So that that story about the satanic worship, yeah, yeah. that's on edge for me a little bit. Ugh, She's I don't like, know. I probably would have skipped that episode. <laughs> but thanks for bringing it up. But I do. Yeah, I a feel lot like of 40 hours Dateline. I feel like you would like the My Favorite Murder podcast because all they do is just like go over murders that have happened or like serial serial killers and yeah. Things. So I mean. I probably would. And they're, like, older women. Like, they have older... Like, they bring humor into it, and it's, like, sometimes I don't understand it. Like, Uh if you're under the age of this, you probably don't understand this (laughs) reference. So maybe you would, like, find some of the things they find funny. I'm just like, okay, let's skip through that, because I don't understand, but... But if you can find humor in talking about that subject, that's pretty good. I don't know. They're kind of funny. Cool. Well, thanks, thanks for, for joining us, yeah. Mama You're Rams. so welcome. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> you feel cool. <laughs> We're all going to be famous now. Well, there you go. <laughs> Let's be famous that I don't know knowing. how we started out this show. <laughs> Somebody over here doesn't want anybody who knows you to listen. <laughs> so if you I. don't know me, go ahead and keep listening. Um, <laughs> if you see me in public, just pretend like you've never listened and you'll be good. <laughs> nice. Oh, my gosh. Just let me see you on the analytics and not in person. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love that. So just leave us a voice recording like everybody else. Or everybody one other person. person. <laughs> we got a voice recording and it was uh, it was of a baby crying. Yeah. Oh, we're like, great, we love making babies cry. <laughs> it was great. I was like, I got the notification and I was like, Alexis, did you get this notification? She's like, like, yeah. yeah. I was like, great. <laughs> I don't know. Alright, interesting. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll have our final episode next Friday. Episode next Friday. I don't know. Find more stories. Yeah, I gotta find a way to go out with a bang, but. Yeah. You can follow us on. Why do you always make me say this part? I would not say it. Because I wouldn't say it. I don't care. Oh, oh, well. (laughs) You don't have to follow me. It's okay. (laughs) I don't need to follow. The R Instagram. Yeah, if you want to follow the Instagram, fine. It's at Slumber Marie Podcast if you want to follow us. And yeah, so we'll talk to you guys next week while we go out with a bang. Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye.